Hi, and welcome to our now 24th podcast. This is Dr. Josh. And Dr. Doug. And it's been a little while. I think we uh, last did a podcast in September, so we have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, and we have been traveling across the country to talk to med schools and residency programs and conferences about direct primary care because, thankfully, the movement just continues to grow. Hopefully some of you saw us in... Uh Denver, when we went to talk to the uh, what, what used to be the Scientific Assembly, now the Family Medicine Experience, uh, Dr. Josh actually was named the chairperson of the uh, American Academy of Family Physician member interest group for DPC. Uh, of the six member in- interest groups, we are the largest. So actually, started out relatively small and in one year grew to by far the biggest. Yeah, yeah, I think that is representative of how quickly the movement is growing. Even the AFP's internal poll show 28% of physicians are looking at DPC as a viable option. But we've been to Louisville, uh, Denver, Dallas, St. Louis, Columbus, Ohio, New York, D.C. for med schools and whatnot. So just uh, wonderful to have that opportunity. And we recommend a lot of you, if, if we go to uh, these various locations, you know, a lot of us use this for uh, academic uh, reasons, but when we were there, uh, Josh and myself, our wives have actually done uh, half and full marathons now. But we partook in the hot chocolate run, so uh, ran five kilometers at the uh, one plus mile range there in Denver, and uh, uh, it was it was rather interesting. And definitely, if you have to run a five k. Run a 5K that has chocolate fondue at the end. Absolutely. So if you can dip anything in chocolate at the end of the run, it's been a good run. Doctor's orders. So we've also had a lot of students visiting. Uh, We continue to recommend people, if if you're interested in doing what we're doing, seeing how we do it. uh, You know, a lot of med schools uh, we work with to try to get you credit. So please work with us uh, in in that regard. Uh, A lot of students, again, we're trying to push towards primary care that have otherwise disregarded it because you can love what you do in primary care as long as you do it in an efficient uh, and, and better way. So October, November, December, and now even January have just been record-breaking months for the direct care movement. Um, as you may recall, we talked about making October 1st, which was the IC Denlight uh, the I Am Direct Care holiday. That was a smashing success, thankfully. And we have had double-digit number of clinics open each of those months. And I think we'll continue to see that trend over 2016. So if you're interested or you're on the edge, don't hesitate to talk to any of those doctors who have started recently. Many, like a clinic in Ohio, within six weeks of announcing their launch, pre-enrolled 300 patients. Uh, a shout out to my cousin, Dr. Luke at Command.md in Springfield, was able to graduate in July, start his practice in December, had 100 patients pre-enrolled, and was over 150 patients within the first uh, four or five weeks. Then there's Equality Care in Springfield as well. Three physicians that left their large hospital system and are doing an amazing job starting their practice. Or Dr. Keith in Oklahoma City, who was signing up 30 patients a day for a while there. So everywhere direct care is tried in the right way, we are seeing it uh, just a runaway success. Imagine in a typical system, you'll see 30 patients a day in clinic visits, 
he's seeing 30 patients signing up every day. So that's the interest that we're seeing, and we've said it multiple times now. The more doctors we have doing this, the more people that understand it, the more are going to want to do it. Um, So on to kind of our main topic and and kind of a big one that's come out recently is meaningful use. What uh, a lot of people say is both meaningless and useless. Uh, It's not a very good descriptor of what it actually is. Uh, It's being scrapped. It's now extinct. And we're being told that, you know what, yeah, it didn't work, but we're going to make something even better. And I'm a little skeptical, given the same the same people that came up with this failing system are going to come out with something that is not only better, but actually works. I'm just not too sure about that. Yeah, I think it's a little bit hard pill to swallow that the government who struggled so much to create the guidelines and instructions for meaningful use will somehow be able to scrap the bad, keep the good, and build a better system. But I think it does speak to a lot of the concerns doctors have is you can't create outside of the system, that you have to play by those rules. But imagine the dollars and man hours lost complying with meaningful use only to have it scrapped a few years later. This is this is an, is, an issue, honestly, of people that are outside of medicine, legislators by and large, and their, uh, their staff that are trying to come up with some sort of legislation to make sense of medicine. And unless you're actually inside medicine, practicing daily, treating patients, and trying to document, they just don't get it. We've come up with this multiple times, you know, even talking about documentation. Lawyers may have weeks or months to prepare documentation for a case. We're expected to see many dozens of patients a day, and the documentation needs to be perfect in perpetuity. That's really not very realistic. It's a tough standard, but I think it reinforces the idea that true innovation comes from the, the, the ground up, the grassroots. It's the doctors who are in front of patients, seeing them every day, experiencing their problems, fixing those as they come up, true ingenuity. And that will be the, the foundation of innovation that's meaningful and going forward. So uh, I would take this as an opportunity to really empower physicians that we are the agents of change that we need to see in our healthcare system. So in that, I would suggest that any physician or other healthcare provider seek out their representative, their state senator, and discuss the true meaning of what is really important to patients and healthcare providers. Because clearly meaningful use hasn't hit it, so it's time for us to really take a step and do something for ourselves. Just today, Dr. Doug was contacted by a colleague who uh, was going to have a meeting today and have the ear of a large state governor and lieutenant governor to find solutions for their health care system. And they're there. They just, But they need the, the guidance from doctors who are on the ground creating solutions uh, in real time. No. And you, we've, we've always said that the boots on the ground are, are everyone else. We've tried to come up with a system that works, and it has been. 
but every single doctor out there that can have the ear of uh, legislators, senators, representatives, city councilmen, anyone out there that can help our cause to just make things better for physicians, make things better for patients, insurance companies, pharmacies. It, it really, we have to work together and if we let this be a top-down system, it's not going to work. A grassroots, bottom-up system is what eventually is going to, uh, to to turn the system on its head because that's what we know works. So we'd like to take just a minute to remind you about the resources that we offer because there's so many doctors ready to move in direct care, but they don't know how to start or where to start. And there's a lot of ways to do it wrong and a lot of ways to do it right. And we are so passionate about this movement, we want to make sure everyone does it right. And trust us, we've come from essentially pioneering what we're doing to where we are now. There have been many, many steps, faults along the way. It's not been an easy path, but we have done what we could to minimize any kinds of of errors along the way so that everyone after us can do this more fault-free. It's it's always an ongoing movement. And again, every step we take benefits the next user. We're all in this together. And the quicker the movement grows, the better it is for everybody. And to that point, we've added a team member since our last podcast, Kirk. And you can find him at Kirk at atlas.md or atlas.md slash team. But he's part of a growing network we're building as a free service to doctors who want to learn about direct care. He's an extension of our free 12-chapter DPC curriculum, and he is your chief easy button. He will be there to do all the business tasks and set up and walk you through the checklist so that you are ready and prepared to start your own practice, whether that's in four weeks, four months, or some other time frame. Um, But we are here to support you, and as evidence of that, we have the lowest credit card uh, processing rates in the industry by quite a ways. Uh, We've continued to push that from uh, 2.5 down to 2.1 so that you have the streamlined workflow that you need to be efficient, but also as much profitability as possible so that you are rewarded for doing what you do best, which is taking care of patients. And much like anything else, Walmart is able to purchase medications at bulk rates because they are as big as they are. The more physicians and practitioners that we have utilizing our system and doing what we want to do, the lower the rates we can offer. So the biggest component of what we want to do is benefit patients. Clearly, practitioners benefit from doing what we're doing, but the patients are the ones that benefit in the end. So trying to lower our costs, that's what ends up helping patients the most. And to help you do that, we have a a significant system of support. We have user forums that uh, other doctors and and practitioners, even non-practitioners, are able to help each other. Uh, The curriculum, as Dr. Josh mentioned, resources. Uh, We have uh, well over a 1,000 pages of resources to help you understand and and how to do the things that we do, uh, and all in a goal of helping you start from anew or transition the practice you have 
we want to be the, the wealth of knowledge that, that we've gained in your transition. Yeah. No doctor should struggle because of the lack of information. And there's lots of great doctors uh, out there sharing their success stories and startup processes because that's what grows the movement. Uh, and that's very exciting. And there, um, are, there are those out there that you will probably be in contact with or hear from that are doing something similar and we completely understand and uh, see the competition that's in this market. You need to be careful um, in what you're seeing, what you're being told. There are those that will essentially recommend or even require that you be locked into a certain uh, provider and or resource that becomes a very difficult and scary uh, entity. Um, you know, yeah. being locked in, there's a reason that we don't like patient contracts for our own clinic. We don't like contracts. So there's insurance companies out there. Um, and we don't want to name names because they're, they're not bad insurance companies. They might just have started on the wrong foot because the tendency of insurance companies is to maintain the momentum and processes that they've always had, which is a position as a middleman. But we want to fight so the doctors understand how to keep the DPC model pure. And by that we mean directly dealing with the patient, doctor to patient, and dealing directly with the insurance customer to insurance company. So that there's a few insurance companies, although well-meaning, are trying to incentivize uh, or require, really, doctors to take payment secondhand from the insurance company. There's a problem with having a middleman in that it adds another party unnecessarily. But even in medicine, we've not only got middlemen, we've got middlemen for the middlemen. We've got people taking care of the things that the person that's supposed to be taking care of something is taking care of for you. So We don't have to tell you the flaws of a third-party system. That all adds costs. Yeah, and that's the system we've left, and it behooves us as physicians, again, empowering us to shape the future of what this becomes, to tell the insurance companies how best they can help us, how best they can structure their model so that there is as few opportunities for misuse and abuse. But if the insurance company is telling you what your stipend is, if they're telling you how much you have to report back, if they're telling you you have to meet certain metrics or use certain programs, that's just more administrative effort than adds value. And there are those of us out there that understand entirely how certain requirements for certain things can add to um, our, our burden. If you look at, and we've mentioned it before, the care of, let's say, a diabetic. If I have 100 diabetic patients in my practice and five of them, despite all of the education, training, and medications I can offer, just will not listen. I've got five diabetics I can either keep in the practice to ruin my overall numbers or I can let them go. The latter option is better for my numbers and reimbursement in the current system but it's the absolute worst thing for the patient because now they don't have care. So we have to look at what's the best thing for physicians, for practitioners, for patients, and what's the best thing for government regulators and rule makers. They are absolutely not one and the same. So 
I think it just goes that, again, we can shape the future of this. We as independent physicians are in charge of that. And to speak to that power, uh, we've recently been able to close a deal with a national provider, and we'll have links on our website for this, for malpractice rates that are 40 to 60% cheaper for direct care physicians. It's just another brick in the wall that shows that direct primary care is part of the standard uh, model. It, it's not niche anymore. It's being accepted by all kinds of groups, patients, physicians, employers. Even look at the, uh, who was it just recently that came out with the uh, direct primary care medical home? Was it New Jersey? New Jersey, both so, their, their uh, state employees and now this week their state health, um, or I'm sorry, their state education board wants teachers to be taking um uh, opportunities to move into direct primary care f- practices because of the potential cost savings. So and we've we've gone from patient-centered medical home, which we're all very familiar with and its its nuances, to direct primary care medical home. So the terminology has changed, but I think we all know underlying why it's changed. So lots of great things happening in direct care, and we, we want everyone to be excited and to continue to move in this space and grow. Um, and so we remind you to go to our website, I Am Direct Care, uh, post your information out there. If you are starting a practice, if you are looking to expand your practice, we have a free job listings there. If you want to hire or you want to, to look for job opportunities, you can post that you are looking as well all for free, again, just to grow the movement. And we have our blog and our patient forums. But again, reiterate that Kirk and his team are there to help you for free to start your direct care practice. Make sure you get off on the right foot. So you can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash atlasmd, Twitter at atlas.md, or email us directly at hello at atlas.md. And again, thank you for listening. Thanks.